Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, it's Mark Graben. This is episode 484 of the podcast. It's September 6th, 2023. Join me today as a returning guest. He's Keith Engels from the Raymond Corporation, which is part of Toyota Industries. So you'll learn more about him in a minute. We have a great conversation about their adaptation of uh, the Toyota production system to their business in Raymond. We talk about the foundations of the TPS house. We talk about developing your people and um, all sorts of other great topics related to continuous improvement and lean today. So for more information, look in the show notes or you can go to leanblog.org slash 484. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to Lean Blog Interviews. I'm Mark Raven. Uh, joining us today is a returning guest. He is Keith Ingalls. He's from the Raymond Corporation. Uh, Keith was our guest back in episode 390, October 2020. He is currently the RLM Manager of Solutions and Support Centers, RLM being the Raymond Lean Management System. So we're going to be able to talk about that and uh, all sorts of things here today. So Keith, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Thanks, Mark. Great to see you. I appreciate uh, you having me back today. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And um, this is my mistake. Keith was also a guest in the My Favorite Mistake podcast. I will make sure to put a link to that in the show notes unless you, well, I'll I'll still do that. Um, I'm not going to put you on the spot to try to remember the episode number, Keith. But Uh, I don't remember the episode number. It was a great fun. It was good learning for me. I make yeah. a lot of mistakes. They're great learning. <laughs> well, we all, well, good. And that's the thing, right? Learning from those mistakes. And I think we'll have a chance to explore that a little bit more today as we did in that episode. And, you know, thank you again for, um, you know, sharing some of your stories and, and reflections on, you know, kind of working on, on the culture. Sorry to be self-promotional on the book, The Mistakes That Make Us, but I did incorporate some of your lessons learned into chapter eight um, of the book. So thank you. Yes. Uh, thank you again for that. Oh, thank you. It's a great pleasure. Yeah. Um, so for those who did not hear episode 390 in, in this series, Keith, maybe first off, if you can tell us a little bit about the Raymond Corporation and its place within Toyota Industries. Sure. Um, Mark, we're a, Raymond Corporation is a wholly owned subsidiary of uh, Toyota now. We just celebrated our 100th year as a as an organization last year yeah. in 2022. So the organization's right. been around for a long time. We uh, we focus on material handling and logistics solutions, a whole array uh, of, of solutions. We're probably best known for making uh, forklift and uh, material handling equipment. We do systems and all sorts of other things. We've been a wholly owned division of Toyota since 2000. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are uh, have learned from Toyota and, and grown under their uh, guidance. I actually came from the Toyota side over to the Raymond side uh, just over 10 years ago. So it's uh, it's great. It's a great Great fun to work in this industry and logistics. There's always new new challenges and new uh, new things coming at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that probably creates I mean, all, all sorts of opportunities to use lean TPS or RLM. Yes, um, as, you're, as you're calling it, as, as we're going to you know dive deeper into here today. Um, yes. How how are the the Raymond products? How do they fit in with you know people um, have probably seen uh, Toyota branded forklifts? Uh-huh. Yes. In, in different facilities, how, how does the Raymond product line 
know, kind of fit in compared to Toyota forklifts? Well, that's a great uh, question, Mark. We actually, um, the, the companies uh, manufacture separately. So under the Toyota brand, we, we manufacture the what we call the internal combustion. And under the Toyota brand, the um, electric sit-down equipment. So at uh, Raymond, we focus in narrow aisle or very narrow aisle equipment. So the stand-up, that's so you can get a, a more narrow aisle for, for uh put away and also the sit down and walkie uh, the walkie equipment the small hand pallet jacks etc so okay. we we manufacture different things we make the electric stand-ups for toyota toyota makes the electric sit down for raymond so it's a it's very close uh close coordinated uh, effort okay well, thanks thanks for um telling us about that let, let, let's talk about your role and um Maybe it's just some of the, the terminology yes. that has evolved. Um, you know, back in 2020, when you were a guest, I was going back to the show notes. Your title was yes. TPS manager of you know Toyota production system within right. Raymond Corporation. Um, yeah, so, t- t- well, t- tell us about your dog too. Hi, yeah, I have a dog. I have dogs. Two rescues. <laughs> Two rescues. Oh, that's great. What what kind of dogs are they? I see a photo. Uh, they're mixed breeds. They're a larger size, but uh, yeah. yeah. Both rescues. So they might bark occasionally. My apologies. <laughs> that's, that's what dogs do. It's quite all right. So <laughs> good to learn a little bit about your dogs. But back to, to your role, um, you know, tell us about the role and, and about some of the terminology involved in it. Sure. So so I started on the Toyota side. So I, I learned from from you know kind of the source of Toyota. So I'm I'm very comfortable, for example, in the Toyota Japanese terminology, and that's what I kind of grew up with in continuous improvement. But coming over the Raymond side, um, we, we had to be very diligent about training continuous improvement for, for two reasons. One, we, we had a, a history of innovation, but continuous improvement gave us a more structured approach. But the other piece we learned from Toyota Production System uh, is that it's very important to to own your own journey in continuous improvement. And, and you've, you've talked about this in several of your blogs, uh, Mark, but we all own our own journey. And so... So we changed to reference our journey to Raymond Lee management. Well, why? It's Toyota production system. It is, but it's ours. It's it's Raymond's adaptation. It's Raymond's learning. So there's some you'll see some differences in how we apply and understand it. All the structure mechanics are the same. Mm-hmm. But for example, we use um, more English uh, words than the Japanese. I, I still mm-hmm. like the Japanese, but I don't want students to get hung up on trying to pronounce Japanese terminology versus what's the concept that we're trying to convey. And we also, um, as we go out into customer sites, we, we advise our customers the same thing, that you need to own this. It's yours. So call, call it whatever mm-hmm. fits for you, but you own it. So it's helped us take it forward to a different level. Yeah. Um, there, yeah, there, there's, I mean, endless debate or discussion, I think within the quote unquote lean community around, um, the use of Japanese words. Sometimes, you know, does the Japanese word prompt someone to ask, well, Hey, what, what, what's Kaizen? That's right. New word, maybe some new thinking. If they've had previous bad experiences with the suggestion box, if we just mm-hmm. refer to suggestion system, people might prejudge and say, like, oh, yeah, we tried that and it didn't work. But Kaizen, well, hmm, that's that's different. But there, there, there are times, I think, when people sometimes overdo it in a way that puts up barriers. Um, so I, I appreciate um, appreciate that point or, you know, using the English words. But, Certainly. you know, when you talk about a structured approach, um, 
to continuous improvement, whether we call it that or Kaizen? Like what, what, what can tell us more about that structure and maybe how it's different than let's say the old suggestion box approach, like what, how, how much structure or how would you describe that? Oh, sure. Well, it's, it's, we create the path and we, we always refer back to the, uh, the Toyota way and the, the TPS house, which is the foundational elements, which is, you know, 5S, you're going to see the development of standards Kaizen in there. And we, we keep Kaizen. That's the Japanese term. We, we don't have right. a, we haven't found a good uh, equivalent of, mm-hmm. so we use it routinely. So in the, in the basic structure, we talk about workplace set. So can we visually confirm that we have all the tools, supplies and training mm-hmm we need in the workplace and and often we don't find out or often it's tribal knowledge that we've conveyed it by person to person from there we go into the two pillars traditionally referred to as just in time or judoka and we will talk about them as flow and quality often or sure. delivering customer experience of on time defect free what mm-hmm. whatever lands for our audience and then then of course the roof of the the tps house is that those are the results mm-hmm. so we talk about that 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 the roof protects a house and results protects an organization. But we also mm. caution in our coaching, their results. You can't drive results. You drive inputs. You drive workplace readiness. You drive foundational elements. Mm-hmm. Are my ready to do work? You drive, am I, am I fixing my flow and making sure there's no constraints to my flow? And you certainly drive, do I have the right quality that my customer needs? Did I deliver what they uh, expected in a way that they could use and, and gain the value add they're looking for? Mm-hmm. So we, we do that to a, our solutions and support center network. There's about 6,000 person distribution network in North America we're primarily responsible to. So we see that often we'll go into at different areas on their journey, their own journeys. And the, the other coaching we give to them, Mark, in the structure is like whatever, wherever you are on that path, that journey path. We want you to focus on the step in front of you, the next step in front of you. You may be just beginning mm-hmm. or you may be very advanced, and but it doesn't matter where you are on that path. Focus on the next step in the path. And mm-hmm. uh, but people get excited and they want to they jump to an end goal. And that's mm-hmm. great. We're excited. We want to jump to an end too. But, but two problems with that. One, you, you, you can't make those leaps. And the other piece we find is now you, you, you spend all this effort trying to get some version of perfect or great. And not not starting, uh, you know, the better that you already have. You know, if mm-hmm. what you have is better, that's Kaizen. Roll, roll mm-hmm. it out and try it, and then keep working on it. Yeah, keep working on it. And I'm, I'm I'm sure you know as you're working with different organizations, you're you're trying to provide that encouragement. And you know, there's there's a couple things that you touched on there, Keith, that I think some organizations um, miss a little bit when it comes. To TPS or lean, like, you know, for one, back to those two pillars of, you know, flow in quality, or we could describe it as just in time and, you know, built in quality or, or, yes. or judoka back to the Japanese word there. You know, there, there are some who I think, you know, kind of even teach or portray that, you know, lean is all about flow. Like, well, it, they, they go hand in hand as, as, right. as you're describing, right? Better quality improves flow, better flow improves quality. Yes. Um, so the, there's there's the challenge. Let me think. Of, I I got up on a soapbox for a minute. Let me, let me turn it into a question. Like, um, I mean, I mean, it's it's tough sometimes um, to help people maybe unlearn some things, or they've gotten anchored. If somebody taught right. them, well, you know, lean is all about speed, and Six Sigma is for quality. And I'm not mm-hmm. knocking Six Sigma, but I'm saying, well, lean is lean is both. I mean, I don't know, mm-hmm. that's how. That's right. 
I was fortunate to be taught that. Uh, I was yes. curious if you kind of elaborate on, you know, kind of the difficult situation or how to navigate if you're having to help somebody maybe unlearn something or learn when they think they've already learned it, you know? That's right. Well, you're, you're bringing up a great point, Mark, and I'm going to, I'm going to take that in a little bit different direction because, because what sure. you asked really resonated with me, getting people to unlearn. One of the first things we teach about um, our discipline of, of continuous improvement or, or lean is it's really for us from, from Toyota's perspective and the way Raymond's adopted it, it's about developing your people. It's yeah. about developing people to, to see and understand the workplace. And then to, to your point, we want them to come in with problem, problem seeing eyes first and then move to problem solving. And, and we find one of the challenges is not so much the problem solving. We, a lot of times we put a lot of effort in solving, but solving is usually not difficult if you can see, if you mm -hmm. can see the problem. Like, um, you know, it's not uncommon for us to walk in workplace that they're not, they can't tell if they have all their supplies or tools at the ready. Like, okay, then how do you start working? Now, now because of our discipline, we're like, that's immediately bothering us. But it may not bother the people in the workplace because that's just how we do it. And mm -hmm. so to your, to your point, we have to kind of teach them to look at their workplace as, with as fresh of eyes as possible and use us as coaches. We're, we're never the expert of the work being done. The expert of the work being done is whoever does the work. So the value add we bring is we're going to ask really great questions because we're from the outside. And we're going to look at that workplace differently and we're going to challenge them through questions. Now, do you know you have your supplies? Oh, yes. Well, how, how can you tell? Can you show me? And then the, the, wherever they start to falter is where we begin to coach. And then hopefully we can move them into the the, the cyclical process of improving uh, flow and improving quality. That's where we want to get them to. Mm -hmm. But sure. if the workplace is, if the workplace is not ready or not well set, they'll struggle getting to those flow and quality issues. And then mm -hmm. to your point, those two need to, they need to work hand in glove. If, yeah. if you have fast flow, but what you're delivering doesn't meet the customer's needs, it, you, you're going to lose, you're going to lose customer experience. And that's yeah. what we focus on. If yeah. what you're, delivering is great quality and meets your customer needs, but it's not in the volume the customer needs, then they ha then they're forced to look for other vendors or other options. And right. so those those are both bad scenarios for the healthy organization. So mm -hmm. so we try to teach people we, we all contribute to that. And we don't mm -hmm. always see that we're all links in that that grander chain of of supply chain. So Yeah. Well there's those chains, there's interconnected points that I think you're you know you're you're bringing up here of you know flow and quality are intertwined. We can't say it's just about flow. Um, it's both. And yes, there's there's customer focus, if not customer obsession or whatever yes. word you might use, you know, in, in this approach. But it's not just customers. Like to, you know, I, I hear you talking about um, developing people and supporting people, yes. like meeting meeting the team members' needs so they can meet the customers' needs. Like to me, that's also very intertwined. And I yes. appreciate that you're bringing up those connections. Yes. Well, we find a lot of it um, is really important to start with leadership and the best leaders in this, this discipline we have found they're highly focused on process improvements. And there's a, uh, to throw the Japanese out, a concept called tataki dai, which is critique process, not people. And mm. we'll bring that in, in different ways, but the best leaders we've seen in this discipline, certainly that I have seen 
our leaders that focus and talk about the importance of process. What in our process didn't tell us we had the parts in time for the assembly or didn't tell us that we um, were going to fall short on this production target, which affected other areas, affected our, our distribution of the day. So we, we really wanted to, to get focused on process. And that also creates the culture of being safe to create those Kaizen ideas and those Kaizen mm-hmm. discussions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I, and I wanted to touch on that, um, making it safe that, that ended up being a perfect segue to what I wanted to delve into next. But first off, um, so you, I, I, I feel like I've, I've heard a lot of these Japanese terms, but you threw a new one out there to me about critique process, not people. Could you repeat that? It's Tataki Dai. Tataki Dai. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, cool. Well, I've learned a new one. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not knocking you for using the Japanese term. No, no, term. no. Yeah, well, like, we like, still. Oh, I've, I've heard them all at this point. No, I, <laughs> that's where that's where I'm rooted. So that's where I will yeah. tend to go back to. But uh, yeah, I try yeah. not to get them hung up on pronunciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The concepts are, are wonderful, though. So yeah. Well, and then you know to hear that translation of it, um, critique process, not people. I think like what I've heard in English, which I think is keeping to the spirit of it is like you know variations of a phrase like uh be hard on the process not on the people that's right different way of saying different way of saying it absolutely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah but i i think critique i like that word though because like like being hard on the process i don't know like there's 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 a certain tone Mm -hmm. to that where you know critique is maybe a little less loaded like critique is certainly something that would lead to improvement if you if you critique and find an opportunity for improvement you may critique the process and find that it's sufficient Uh that's right maybe that's right still with opportunities for improvement but that's different than being hard on the process Yes. yes well and and we don't want to be hard. That hard often translates yeah. to people or where we walk into yeah. challenging cultures. You know, we work with our, our own uh, solutions and support centers network. We also work with customers. And one of the first things what we will try to identify is how's the culture of, of the learning? Are, are they, is it a culture of blame? Of, mm-hmm. A term I use occasionally is blame storming mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. brainstorming. That's not good. Right. <laughs> you no. know, no. looking for, for people to blame really is because what we find is people really want to contribute and can mm-hmm. contribute their best value add. They may not know what that is. Uh, and, and even at, at customer sites, we'll run into similar things that we struggle with in our own network, you know, where, where we assume we know value add and that's, that starts us down the wrong path. We may not know truly what our value add is for mm-hmm. not necessarily the end customer, but maybe the next customer in the process. Yeah. Well, and assumptions i mean that that's uh, a cause of many mistakes of um confusing an assumption with actual true facts or knowledge we assume we know what the customer wants this happens in healthcare people say oh we we know what the patients want i'm like well we might be making an assumption and you can go and test and either validate or realize um we need to replace that assumption That's right. with facts, right? That's right. But not blame someone for their assumption. We can critique the assumption. How's that? I, I like that. <laughs> critique and move forward in healthy ways. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, I don't know if it was part of, you know, some of your um, 
upbringing through this or continued coaching. Like I think of, and, and I, I tend to hear a question like this from the former Toyota people that I've learned from or worked with, um, you know, kind of critiquing of like, how, you know, if you state something that sounds like a fact, well, how, how do you know that? Like, I think, you know, it, it's a healthy um, way of challenging. Um, is that really fact or is it an assumption? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Well, when we go to customer sites, um, we'll talk to the customer. First, we, we, we go through the workplace or we, we go to Gemba. So I'm still using the Japanese terms. I just can't quit. Yeah, that's but, fine. But uh, um, we'll go to the workplace. We'll go to Gemba and we'll do uh, walkthroughs and we'll start to, when we're called in to help, like one, um, one customer we went to was um, um, Longfield uh, Gardens and Longfield was a great, uh, they called us in to support and it was a highly seasonal business. So we were walking through and we're asking them what they wanted to achieve and they had a lot mm-hmm. of seasonal employment. And so we talked to them about, well, if you have a lot of seasonal employment, because it's a very cyclical business, right? They have very high, high peaks and low valleys. And even though some of the people were cyclical in, in coming in and out, they might, they have, might have the same seasonal workers. Most, a lot of them are not. So we said, mm-hmm. well, how are you conveying the culture and how are you conveying the expectation? And they didn't have a lot of visuals. They hadn't really considered a lot of visuals and uh, their, their group decided that, that they liked what we were saying. They liked some of the direction they were taking and ended up taking um, courses from us and, and embraced it for themselves. When we talk about ownership, they owned it for themselves and began their own development process and they changed their communication, their visuals a lot. So their culture strengthened as a result of this and it became mm-hmm. process focused and it really became uh, a healthier environment because they found having really informal conversations with people mm-hmm. allowed Kaizen to kind of come out. Mm-hmm. And through through simple, calm discussion, like, hey, what can we do to make things better? One of my favorite mm-hmm. Kaizens there, after we'd worked with them, I had to be over a year, I went back in to do a, a site check. And uh, we're walking through, and they're really um, – Peter uh, Longevelt, the VP of Operations, was showing me these uh, coat hooks on the wall. Uh He was telling me, he said, I'm really proud of that one. I said, really? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, it was a Kaizen. He said, we didn't realize until we started having conversation with our people that they didn't have a place, a good place to put their coats when they're coming out and working in the area and putting the, they put bulb uh, packages together. Like if you go into a site and see a big square with the seasonal bulbs, that's what Mm -hmm. they build. Yeah, He said, they didn't have a good place to put their coats. And he said, when we started listening to people on such a basic level and really doing, he said, that doesn't necessarily do anything direct for the business, but he said, mm-hmm. it made our people more engaged. And from yes. there, they got a lot of conversation, a lot of ideas. So that's the kind of environment we want to see and we want to foster that, where that leadership mm-hmm. environment is supportive of the people, to your, to your mm-hmm. point earlier. That's not beating up the people, but actually right. getting from them. They, they know the things they'd like to change. They know what are the barriers to their work. Mm-hmm. We just have to have these conversations and make it safe for them to have these conversations to share with us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I think cultural elements like that are very transferable across different types of businesses, different industries. Um, I, I love the, 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 the question that you asked there as a starting point. Um, what are you hoping to achieve? Yes. And, and hopefully the answer to that is not, we want to implement all the lean tools. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, sometimes we don't get an answer that we can work with. <laughs> So you can coach, right? That's the art of coaching, of you know, asking or delving deeper. Of like, okay, well, why 
do you want? Why do you think you need to implement all these lean tools? Like starting with, uh, you know, what are you hoping to achieve is Uh a really, I think, a helpfully broad and and positive framing. I love that question. Um, You know, I think back to, you know, a a very well-known former Toyota person, John Shook. Uh-huh. You know, when he's you know, with the Lean Enterprise Institute, um, you know, shares, you know, I remember, you know, a video of, um, you know, their lean transformation approach or, you know, he, he, he would, he framed it in terms of what problem are you trying to solve? That's right. Right. Similar, similar question. But I mean, uh-huh. you know, I think it's an interesting thing to think about. I don't think there's right or wrong there of framing it in terms of problem solving versus aspirational. That's and right. Maybe some of that goes hand in hand. I, I think you. I think you're very much onto a key point, Mark. In fact, um, we try to. Uh, we we have a sales development training program we call Dart, and in our instruction, one of the things we coach and teach our our salespeople is, you know, for uh, for us, you know, one of our biggest things is we build material handling equipment. So, for example, a customer comes to us and say, "Hey, I'd I'd love to buy." 10 reach trucks. Salespeople, you know, the first reaction, and I come from this background too, we're oh, we get real excited. We want to give them a quote for 10 reach trucks. Yeah. But here's what I can tell you about that customer. Our, our equipment, as much as we love it, because it's how we make our living, is incidental to the customer's business. It's incidental, mm-hmm. which means what I can tell you is they don't want 10 reach trucks. Yeah. They want to move more of their product. Mm-hmm. And they believe that 10 reach trucks will help them. So that's sure. a great opportunity to start a dialogue for, so what are you trying to achieve? So yeah. if you say something like, well, we're trying to get, we can put out, say, 200 units an hour, and we need to put out 300 units an hour. We need to be their material handling support experts, because that's what mm-hmm. we do. So we may not want to sell them 10 reach trucks. We may say, well, we need a, a rack and conveyance system. Or you need um, a different pick method. You might need order pick or something different. We're not sure. But if we focus on that objective, now we can work on the solution versus, you know, it's easy for a sales rep, especially who's commission driven, right? Mm-hmm. Say, oh, man, I got an opportunity for a quote. Yeah. yeah, but that's, did we explore what the customer needs? And maybe the customer didn't ask us the right the right question. So we still have to go back and, and support that customer to understand what's what's the driving force. We've opened a dialogue. That's great. But what's the dialogue about? What's the value-add conversation we're trying to reach? Mm-hmm. And and it, it requires us that we slow down. But when we do that, um, now we're, we're getting the opportunity to partner with the customer and really help them solve a problem. And that's what we want to do because we're best served when we, we support our customers over long term, not, not one or two quick sales. That just yeah. really is not what we're in business about. We want to partner with them to help them distribute and be a healthy organization, which keeps us healthy. Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's this chain, it seems, of, of value add. So the value Raymond is providing, you can think of, you know, the value added work within Raymond <clears throat> produces the material handling equipment. But from your customer standpoint, their customers are not willing to pay more for them to have more material handling equipment. Like there, you have employees at, at Raymond Corporation doing value added work, and then that product is supporting your customers. That's right. Providing value, which is a garden center. I imagine there's a lot of plants and when you say garden, was it a garden center? Long, like, yeah, Longfield Garden. They do uh, they do bulbs. They assemble the bulb. Like mm-hmm. if you go into a retail store and you'll see like a seasonal um, uh, big square 
powered of bulb displays and you say, oh, it's time to plant these bulbs and you buy the old box and a little kit bag off. They assemble those and put them together. So they do all kinds of different things, very seasonal work. We get to work with a lot of different customers, which I think is a lot of fun. Um, Longfield was fun for me because they were a great example. They embraced it for themselves. Like they, they took the things we taught them and they, they put their own spin on it and they started developing their own standards, their own visuals. So it was a lot of fun working with that group and it, and it had a nice family, kind of a family work feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we like to see that because it, it is where we work is our work family. Yeah. You know, so we're going to spend a lot of hours together. So it should be it should be a collaborative, I believe, collaborative and positive environment where we have really meaningful exchanges. Yeah. And that's what we're looking. That's what we try to create in our organization. And we try to help customers create that. And nowadays, we we have a lot of customer requests. And so they're looking for we got to control costs because, you know, inflation, mm-hmm. things are spiraling up. Right. And the other thing we get a lot is we're trying to control um our labor resources because nobody seems to have enough labor resource these days. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to look for these efficiencies and help customers explore these mm-hmm. value adds differently. Yeah. And, you know, back to some of those core business issues around affordability and employee retention, you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a tight job market. Yeah, yeah. I think that comes back to some of these ideas that are very transferable. Um, yes. Let's say, you know, thinking of like in a very seasonal business, like, plants or farming or even let's say an emergency department in a hospital um you can't force fit certain lean or tps tools i don't think you can come in and say oh you know level load you're growing throughout the year level load the customer like but some of these things no no okay that's just not the circumstances to this business but the culture you know piece you know I, i i love that you you point out the idea of, you know, Kaizen is a way of engaging people, the code yes. hooks. Classic um, Kaizen thinking of, you know, helping people solve problems that matter to them. Some mm-hmm. of those will then also, you know, have a very direct impact on, on the customer and, and, and the company. But, you know, I think some companies, organizations out there um, get a little off track. I think when they are really just forcing or they're, they're only allowing people to do improvements with a large ROI. That's right. That's and, right. And, you know, when I've had a chance to visit Toyota plants in Japan, I remember asking um, one of the tour guides, um, you know, she was talking about Kaizen a lot. Well, do, do you and the guides get to participate in Kaizen? And she, and she said, yes. And the example that she was able to point to was not a coat hook, but hooks on the railing uh, at different points for them to stop and hang their bag that they were yes. carrying instead of having to put it on the floor. Oh, that's so excellent. There's no ROI to be calculated, but yeah, I mean, you say it's excellent because it, it it engages people and it, it gets them participating, and then you may right. find improvements with a large ROI or a huge customer impact. Right? Tell tell me more about your reaction to that. Of like, oh, you know, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, so we start with those small steps, but the small mm-hmm. steps, to your point exactly, Mark, are what lead to the bigger opportunities, and. And the small steps, if you think of, you know, we want an avalanche of success. Well, that avalanche is made up literally of snowflakes. And so those small steps become how we win people over. And and showing that we care. You know, we talk about morale as a, as a metric. You, you can't put a meter on morale. Mm. You can't just, you know, have an analog and say, yeah, morale is good or bad. But we can get a feel for it. And so we coach that it's important to try to feel for it. And you mentioned turnover and absent, absenteeism. You mentioned turnover earlier. 
that is one of the metrics we try to uh, get a hold of, and that is a hard me- a hard metric we can measure. Do we have turnover? Do we have absentee issues? Because because they root cause back to to morale. If yeah. you're listening to people on small things like, hey, I need a place to put my backpack when I get to work. Then all of a sudden they start thinking, hey, you might actually take my suggestion of how to do the work better. Right. You see, there's a we, we have to build trust and there's mm-hmm. not inherently a trust between maybe, uh, you know, managers and associates. You mm-hmm. have to work to build that because managers are they have objectives. So they're trying to drive objectives. And sometimes in driving those objectives, we'll, we'll see. We'll, and I've made these wrong decisions too. You get a new associate, what do you do? You want him out working. Well, did we spend time training and develop him? No, 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 get him to work. <laughs> well, but if you don't train and develop, it's a bad experience for them. And now maybe you have absentee issues because they, they're not comfortable or confident on the job mm-hmm. versus are we listening to them? Are we listening to their needs? Are we fulfilling something simple as where to put a coat or where to put a bag? And mm-hmm. and then yeah. are we fulfilling something as, hey, do you know how to do this work confidently? And do you understand the the area and the work area and the safety needs of the area and the, the PPE, the personal protective equipment you need? Do you really understand or are you confident in this environment? Yeah. And so when you do that, people start to create suggestions. I've seen the most amazing inventiveness from from associates. They have really creative ideas. There's a wealth of of untapped potential with our people that we want to try to reach into and start those dialogues with. So those small things like those hooks, they're they mm-hmm. they open up the dialogue for the big things like, hey, did we think about how we solve our customers' problems differently? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's a, a cultural piece that translates, you know, I'm wearing a polo shirt from, you know, Kinexus, a software company, mm-hmm. technology company, and they aspire um, and, and work really hard at having a culture of continuous improvement. And one thing Kinexus does is, you know, bringing in a new employee and there's an onboarding process, there's standardized work, if you will, that's been yes. developed over time. But they, they set an expectation and there's this opportunity to the new employee. Um, we want you to help us find improvements to the onboarding process and, and, and kind of establishing that right from that, that, that expectation slash opportunity. It's not a demand, but Mm -hmm. opening, I think starting that conversation on day one is a really, a really helpful thing to do. And I, I know healthcare organizations that, you know, have done the same thing of saying, Hey, you have fresh eyes. That's That's a huge advantage. Yes. Well, that's and that's exactly that's a that's a good indicator of what what we would call a mature, uh, lean organization because they have mm-hmm. the culture piece to recognize, hey, that new person, the value add they bring is, they don't have the baggage of tribal knowledge yet, mm-hmm. which which yeah. we, we want some tribal knowledge of course to right. build good habits, but they're going to ask the best questions. They're like, well, why do we do that or why did you not do that? Mm-hmm. And and it's a great kaizen opportunity. And after we. After a few months, they'll be indoctrinated into that's how we do it, and that the fresh yeah. eyes go away. So that's yeah. yeah, that's a great resource to take advantage of. We can critique the way we've always done it. That's right. <laughs> it's probably not all bad, but certainly help critique it and um, new opportunities uh, mm-hmm. for improvement. Right. Um, so you talked about measures um, or you know yes. kind of indicators of morale, turnover, and absenteeism mm-hmm. are probably to some form, lagging measures. Um, do, do you right. try to measure, you know, Kaizen participation? Is that more of a leading indicator of, of morale? That, yes, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's one of our, our key um, leading indicators. It's hard to get morale leading indicators. Um, you, you know, engagement and energy, you can get a feel for them, but 
the outcome is, is what you said exactly, Mark. When we see people offering suggestions, offering Kaizen's, um, offering the dialogue of, hey, it would help me if, or hey, did you think about, then that's an indicator of, of good morale. And good morale, we, you know, paychecks, paychecks get us to work. If you don't pay us, we're, we, we don't, we're not going to come to work. So right, I get that. Right. But they're not motivation. You know, yeah. what motivates us is how we engage and talk to um, our, our associates. I was on a project um, recently at, at one of our facilities and uh, had a, uh, I'd come up with an abscess tooth. So I'm on the road and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, making, you know, so I'm going to basically have to suffer through it for the, for the week. Yeah. And in the morning, you know, I was trying to tell leadership because I would go through and I would talk to the associates and I'd say good morning. And I, and I was really not feeling well. I said, do, do you, do you, you know, I'm not feeling well. I said, yeah, we, we hear you have an abscess tooth. I said, okay. So why am I going around smiling and shaking hands, greeting everyone? And, and, and is that, is that important? I said, well, they didn't, they didn't believe it really was. I said, no, it's incredibly important. As leaders, we set the tone for the workday. And so we talk to people and engage them. We, you know, show them, say hello, show some appreciation that they're for them as a person. Because like I said, it's, it's, it's a, it's our workplace. It's kind of a work family to some degree because we, we, we should feel appreciated and we should feel like we contribute because we all have that opportunity. But as leaders, we have to reinforce that every day by our, our actions. And if we don't reinforce it, we may be sending the message that it's not okay. Or, you know, certainly if I had to walk around going, Oh, you know, I'm all grumbly. Maybe nobody knows I have an abscess. What yeah. they assume is something really bad must be happening. Oh, they're, you know, next thing you hear, I think we're going to have layoffs. I mean, that room. No, yeah. No. Right. <laughs> then the goes. Right. The assumptions come in. Yeah. Like, you want to, you want right. to control that. Right. But by engaging people and by getting that conversation going and you'll see it in the Kaizen activity or even, uh, we do, uh, we encourage, um, huddles, daily huddles, mm-hmm. just the quick the quick uh, morning gathering of, you know, you huddle up, here's our plan for the day. If there's participation in that, another indicator we'll watch, if there's participation or questions, mm-hmm. that's a good morale indicator. Yeah. If people are like, you know, just kind of standing around kind of waiting for it to be over, that's mm-hmm. a bad morale indicator. That's a little more, yeah. it's not as analog. <laughs> like right. we got guys right. in, we didn't, but it's a good start of, for a leading indicator, you know, is your participation yeah. energy good. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I'm sure you chose the word participation as opposed to attendance because we've seen, you know, I, unfortunately, you know, the, a lot of it's a body language indicator of That's like, right. are people, are their arms crossed kind of staring at their shoes? That's right. That's not a good sign. That's right. And I'm not blaming those people. That's an opportunity for leaders to engage or to build trust as, 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 as you brought up earlier. Yes. That's right. Well, it's if leaders are paying attention to that, they want to get a, ahead of those signs and, and try to understand why people are disengaged, you know, and sometimes we'll push. I've had leaders push like goals as, as a direction. Well, goals are results. Like if, if you have a, a, a target of, you know, logistic output or deliveries or production, whatever that is, if, if you drive that, that's a result. We, mm-hmm. we, as associates, we can't really affect that. We can affect how we set our work. We can affect how we respond to when things go wrong. We can, those are things we can affect. We can affect our readiness, our training. We yeah. can't necessarily affect, did we hit that objective or not? If the work is set up easily, we can 
probably hit that objective. If we have struggles or challenges through the day, maybe we can't. Now, do we have a method to address those challenges? And so mm-hmm. if people are, you know, if people are doing that, you know, kind of, in my experience, we've, we've taught them that to some yeah. degree, we've taught them that like to disengage or just show up or just, I've got to sit through this, this huddle meeting. And now I just, I just want to get back to work. That's, right. that's not what we're looking for because now we're missing that opportunity for them to contribute in ways of what do you see that's new? Mm-hmm. And I love the, the organizations you mentioned that, that, that take that fresh set of eyes to the new associates mm-hmm. because now we're engaging them right off the bat. And they're now it's like, wow, I, I got this new job and they wanted my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's fantastic. You know, you know, you're now you're part, you're contributing. You feel a, to be part of, uh, of the process and you're contributor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, uh, one other question I wanted to ask when it comes to, to Kaizen and measures, like, do you, at, at Raymond, or do you encourage people to track even, let's say, just a count of how many Kaizen improvements are being implemented or any results kind of connected? Yes. When we, we have a great, uh, we'll get a great level of excitement for Kaizen counts and inputs. And sometimes we'll actually slow that down a little bit because the trick with Kaizen is not just getting the suggestion, but it's having a process to review it and execute it. Because right. if people give input and, and nobody does anything with it, mm-hmm. then you've just put an expiration date on that input. Right. You know, at some point, they're, they're, it's going to trail off into, into nothingness. So in a mature organization, we have uh, – and some of our, our groups actually have mm-hmm. um, apps they can put in. You know, it's super easy to put in a Kaizen suggestion. They put in, they'll mm-hmm. track the count. Um, we'll sign, we'll see the execution percentage. Uh, we'll see, right. we'll sign ROIs. That's, but that's a mature organization mm-hmm. to start out with. Um, kind of, you mentioned the suggestion box. It's, it's okay to start with something, um, informal and unstructured. You know, when, when we're in new areas, we, I always say painters tape a marker, do something that's easy to change because as you vet out the process, you're going to find better ways to do it. You're going to find Kaizen. So, so don't make it too, too difficult to change and too fixed at first because you're learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so with Kaizen process, just, just get, we, we actually start with tablets and have people write on a tablet and here's your yeah. idea. And as we start to um, execute, we'll line them out and put a date. And, and, and that's, well, that sounds really basic and simple. Yeah. But basic and simple is where we start. That's the sure. crawl before we walk, walk before we run kind of approach. Right. So, so to start in, in, in new areas, we'll just put a tab and say, hey, we'd like your suggestions here. And when they see us start to, to execute, now's when we're, we're changing the, the mind process of the associate. Now we're saying, oh, you want me to come and offer suggestions? Yeah, it's part of your job. Yeah. So we're encouraging, enabling that. Yeah. So um, I'd like to come back and talk more about making it safe. For people to participate in Kaizen, building trust. You know, earlier you talked about the need. It's really important. Problem solving eyes, you know, to be able to see a problem, to solve a problem. But in between might be the times, you know, in some workplaces where people see the problem, they have problem seeing eyes, but they don't feel safe to have a, a problem speaking mouth, if That's you right. will. That's um, right. what, what, what are some tips or practices, you know, within Raymond or that you share um, with the organizations you work with to, to try to, you know, not mandate mm-hmm. safety, but to really um, help people feel safe to speak up. Well, let, let me give you a scenario where maybe safety is challenged um, unintentionally. 
So if you have a really strong, um, say, a subject matter expert leader. So some leaders are subject matter experts in the area they lead. Some, some not so much. They're just really strong leaders. But if you have a good, strong subject matter expert, sometimes that can get in the way of alternate suggestions or suggestions that take us a little different path. Because, no, 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 we, we, I know I've, we, I've done it this way. for, And so they'll start to shut down. Yeah. So, so one of the tricks and tips that I'll share, uh, Mark, to answer your question is we encourage um, cross-functional uh, visits and coaching uh, mm-hmm. for the development of leaders to go to other areas and get ideas to take back to their own area. But it's another source of creating fresh eyes within your organization. Remember we talked about the new associate has fresh eyes, but somebody that's not familiar with a functional area that comes from a different functional area, they come into an area and they have fresh eyes and they, and they might see this say in a daily huddle and leaders, they'll inadvertently shut people down. It's like, well, no, no, we've tried that. Or they start to, they start to rain on the suggestion before we've really even tried or vetted it out. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you bring in a different functional leader, maybe a peer in a different function, they can pull them aside. Now you, there's this coaching learning opportunity. Hey, did help me understand this or did you think about and, and bring that in? So it's kind of reinforcing that environment of safety. You have to reinvent that safe environment every day. Like, like I said, you, you walk and create that positive energy every day as leaders. We have the opportunity to re it doesn't, it's not sustainable unless we do it each day. Every day you expect me to come in and, and create a safe environment. Yeah. Every day, expect me to come in and engage my people. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean you can't miss a day here and there, but for the most part, that needs to be your leader standard work. Right. That you come in and it becomes part of your, did I make it safe? Did I get suggestions? Did I ask for help from a peer? Did I mm-hmm. offer help to another area where maybe I learn and bring something back to my area? This, so we have this cross-pollination opportunity within our organizations to draw mm-hmm. in fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. So, so there's value add opportunity around us, but we, we just have to step back and look at organization differently and you're going to see resources differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. It takes that ongoing effort, right? It's not like, um, you know, a one time, well, well uh, we gave a speech at the all hands meeting and we told them everybody should speak up with their ideas. That's then, right. Okay. Well then what's the follow up? Well, and and I, I sometimes um, organizations kind of get caught in a trap where they will describe maybe the uh, the outcome they're seeing. They'll say, "Well, our employees aren't engaged." Like, well, yes. what 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 are it sort of then kind of begs the question of, "Well, what are you doing to actively engage them?" Well, we told them last That's year right. That's that right. they should speak up. It's like you. I appreciate what you're saying, Keith, about. Every, you know, if not every day, like on a very ongoing routinely, yeah, routine basis. And, you know, people might not believe you like, well, they said our ideas matter, but I don't know if I believe them. I don't know if I trust them. And then if they don't follow up, people might say like, oh, well, they just said it. They didn't Mm -hmm. really mean it. But, you know, I was going to ask you, Keith, uh, you know, what kind of tips or, or stories you might share about, you know, leaders, not just saying the quote unquote right things. We want your ideas. We want yes. you to speak up. We want to improve everything versus their actions. Like let's yes. say the way they react to an idea. Like th- those seem like key moments of, of not just the words, but I mean, their action, their reaction might be words, but um, really making those words ring true. Well, as usual, Mark, your insight and experience show through with your questions because 
there's an opportunity for leaders to, we're trying to create a sustainable culture. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways uh, we look for leaders to do that is, is they'll say, well, we have an expectation of some, you know, one Kaizen a, a month or one Kaizen a week, whatever. You can do that. And that's not a bad thing, but we're looking for that organic piece. And mm-hmm. to reinforce that, we'll look for how do we celebrate victories of Kaizen ideas? Did yeah. we recognize them? And it mm-hmm. can be as simple as, you know, we do that. We encourage those daily huddle meetings for what's our plan for today. That, hey, yesterday, you know, we, we had a Kaizen suggestion from, you know, uh, moving tools around and, and, and it was well received and the associates really pleased. And we're, we're going to talk about other people to see if they'd like something similar. You know, just doing something like that to build on it, to share it. Um, a more a seasoned organization, we have um, company newsletters that go out across uh, our network. So things like that are very important. You may not have that, but then that doesn't mean you can't celebrate the milestones. And you're not celebrating that we've arrived at an end because it's a journey that, you know, continuous improvement, you don't stop, but you, you certainly want to find milestones to celebrate. Hey, we mm-hmm. had a Kaizen or or we just had our 10th Kaizen of this this group this week or this month. You know, did we did we celebrate those ideas? Did we encourage that through how we responded to it, to your point exactly? Yeah. It's that opportunity for leaders to really encourage through celebration and, and reinforcing that environment that it's not only is it safe, but we're helping better serve our customers because that's what it's ultimately about, right? It's about developing our people to give the best possible customer experience. Yeah. Um, again, we're joined by uh, Keith Ingalls from uh, the Raymond Corporation. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, Keith, before we wrap up, yes. you know, when it comes to continuous improvement and trying to improve um, everything you do, you know, it, it, it seems like, you know, Raymond Corporation and the work you're doing in your role, you embrace that in a lot of ways. And you had mentioned um, when we talked before, it sounded like some improvement, if not innovation, to some of the, the teaching that you do about uh, TPS or RLM. Um, yes. Tell us about some of those changes and, and, and how you approach that. Well, well, we learn from mistakes. That's why I, I love your your other podcast, uh, Mark, yeah. you know, learning from mistakes. I wish I had learned to embrace my mistakes more fully mm-hmm. earlier in my career because I made a lot. I don't know that oh. I always took advantage to learn from them all, but yeah, me too. Yeah. One of the ones we, we had fallen into habit, we think of ourselves or we had thought of ourselves as a training group, not necessarily a coaching group. Mm-hmm. And so when you think of yourself as a training group, you, you do a lot of training, you do a lot of formal content. And even within our own environment, we have um, an adult learning model, which has really uh, helped guide us or helped give us pause. And the adult learning model says, how do adults learn? It says, well, about 10% is formal learning. That would be classroom. About 20% is social learning. So that's like you and I talking now or having a meeting or conference where you're interacting with people you're networking. That made sense. So then there's 70%. Well, what's the 70%? What's that? You're getting your hands on it and and doing it. And so we we started using this phrase, we don't want to learn to ride a bicycle through a PowerPoint. (laughs) Right. And and it kind of dawned on us that we were, you know, we were spending like, all this effort and formal instruction, and we were probably spending an equal amount, let's say, maybe a little more in application. So if formal instruction is 10%, and we have an equal amount in application, well, that's, okay, now we're up to 20%. Now we do a little bit of social. Now maybe we're hitting 25%, and we're like, out of 100%, that's not a good percentage. <laughs> so, uh, right. 
it caused us to rethink how we approach uh, application. And what we started doing was uh, we call microburst, giving smaller coaching mm. lessons, still formal, still some formal instruction, maybe even a handout, or we'll do posters so that the associates don't have to memorize what we've told them. But do a small segment of training, and then do coaching for application. Get their hands on it, get them to try it, and experiment and apply it for themselves, so that they get that that comfort and that confidence. We did we do pretty good job with training skills for work, but maybe we weren't doing so good in the skills for continuous improvement. We're, we're setting these expectations, but we're not really necessarily building the mm-hmm. experience. You know, when we when we teach safety on the move, for example, um, that's our program for operator safety for forklifts. You teach it before somebody gets on a forklift. And one of the things as an instructor for that, I would tell people, look, we've we've taught you the safe elements. We've taught you how to get on so you know the risks of this machine. But you're not yet an experienced operator. So go mm-hmm. practice at a slow speed and become experienced. And we we'll mm-hmm. even have mentor programs to build up that confidence. I'm like, mm-hmm. we weren't doing that in continuous improvement. So we've given them this academics and maybe we did a little coaching, but, but really we need them to get confidence through experience. And so we've, we've really shifted our focus from that. We've learned to um, shift the application and we're seeing a lot um, of quicker uh, associates are quicker to embrace the discipline and the methods as a result. So we're seeing a lot of, of, of improved results. So we're, we're learning, we're improving our improvement process. <laughs> well, good. You're saying. <laughs> That's exactly what you would hope to see and 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 hear about. Um, yeah, I mean, when you think about learning and doing, like I'm having kind of a flashback to, oh goodness, I mean, 25 years ago. Um, this is even going back to like frameworks in TQM or Total Quality Management mm-hmm, right. that was being taught at MIT at the time, and 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 they would always emphasize of like you know learn do learn do just kind of an ongoing back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think we see that in a lot of training methodologies or approaches, this idea, if you, if, if you um, learn something and you don't use it, you're probably yes. going to forget it. You'll probably lose it. That's I right. It rhymes, use it or lose it. It's use probably- it or lose it, that's right. Um, well, and that doesn't serve our sustainability goal. <laughs> right. so we want to keep this going. <laughs> right. We don't, we don't want rework of going that's back right. and retraining that's right. Because we trained um, too soon or too much. Um, yeah. So maybe one other question um, before we wrap up, Keith, you know, back to this idea of learning from mistakes, you know, as you yeah. shared about uh, previously, I did look up, it was episode 62 of the My Favorite Mistake podcast. So I hope people will check that out. Um, you know, you talk about this on an individual level, and I appreciate that. I'm on that same journey of trying to be better personally about learning from mistakes. I wish I had, you know, better understood a lot of this sooner um, as well. Um, but when you think of, you know, organizations and leadership, you know, when you think yes. about cultivating an environment where people can learn from mistakes and the organization can learn from mistakes, are, are those the same habits or the you know, same leader standard work as would build trust and participation and continuous improvement or, are, are there other any anything else that a leader should do to really try to help cultivate that? Well, that's a great question, Mark, because the, the certainly the habits are the same, but the the reality, and that's that's why we have a plan, do, check, adjust cycle or PDCA. Mm-hmm. You know, we 
we have a plan and there's what we actually get and they they don't ever tend to match so so building that safe culture to your question is really about how do we respond when things don't line up? Did we did we take the time to learn? That's a first really great question, right? Yeah. We can learn from from you and apply. Is did we take the time to learn from from what the difference was? Because there's a gap. There's what we expected, and here's what we got. There's a mm-hmm. gap. That's the learning opportunity. Yes. If we yeah. if we embrace that learning opportunity, now we're taking advantage of it. If we just look at the well, we didn't get what we wanted, and we walk away from it. We've walked away from also the learning. You know, yeah. sure we found something that didn't work, but we learned that there's something that didn't work. You know, that's like the the Thomas Edison example. Like, how many times did he try to find a filament for a light bulb before he found tungsten? It was a lot. <laughs> so, so those failures are a great way to build upon our knowledge base. And some of the things do work or they do work to a degree and we keep moving in that direction. It's, it's not realistic in my experience to expect that every associate of Kaizen is, is vetted out or ready mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. application. But certainly there's things we take away from that we can try and we can learn to make it better. And the other piece is those small steps you talked about. What we're going for today is really a little better than what we did yesterday. It's not yeah. this, we're going to build up till we get 100 Kaizens and then roll out this whole new process. That's not typically how we do. Now, sometimes we might need to do that, but typically we're going to roll out a little bit of improvement each day, a little bit better each day. It's, it mm-hmm. might be how we visualize our, our supplies. It might be how we track our training. It might be how we track our Kaizen process, right? We might move from that, that right written tablet to, uh, to an electronic version. Right now we have a file, a screen, or something. So each day we get a little better, and that has to be that has to work hand in glove with some things just aren't going to work. But did we learn from them? So just yeah, it's, it's yeah. lots of opportunities to learn. <laughs> yes, and I love the way you stated that in in the context of PDCA or PDSA. How do we respond when things don't line up? Looking at the gap, and it, it's not this binary succeed or fail like the gap the difference right. could be huge or it could be just small like yeah um a lot of times people yeah they there the the world's not so black and white that way uh especially when it comes to to improvement um we we could have gotten good results but not as good as we expected so we can learn or you know we got good results and now let's keep moving forward well we'll, we'll keep the continuous and continuous improvement that's right that's right. Well said. Yeah. Well, thank you, Keith. Um, it was a real pleasure to have you back um, on the podcast yes. uh, again. Uh, Keith Ingalls from uh, the Raymond Corporation. We'll, I'll, I'll put links in the show notes. There's a lot of good information on the Raymond Corporation website about um, RLM and, and transferable. Yes. If you're calling it um, lean or TPS, or if you're following Keith's advice, you're, you're, you're calling it your company. Make it yours. <laughs> That's right. Make it yours, but there's a lot to learn. Um, and, and thank you, Keith, for the opportunity to learn and, uh, compare notes and, and have great conversation here today. Really, really enjoyed it. Really appreciate thank, it. Thank you, Mark. It was great to work with you again. Uh, really enjoy your shows and uh, really enjoy getting the opportunity to talk to you today. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing. Well, thanks again to Keith Ingalls for coming back on the podcast. I hope we'll do it again someday. For more information about Keith and the Raymond Lean Management System, look for links in the show notes, or you can go to leanblog.org slash 484. Thanks for listening. 
This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.